William Cowper had had some comments on Psalm 51. He said, if any of them apply to me, that's the one. <laughs> he worded a little different. He goes, that's my song. Uh, what some hymns he's wrote. I really appreciated them. So we'll turn to Genesis 42. Genesis 42. Might be a little noise above us today. Uh, I got here about 6 o'clock this morning, and there was some handymen, big old long screwdrivers. I don't know where you grew up, but handymen don't work 6 o'clock morning on Sundays and have big old long screwdrivers in an empty parking lot. So I thought, well, I don't want to have to deal with this, but I do. They're working upstairs. <laughs> Try to get in some overtime. Hope they won't be too loud. Lord, give us ears to hear. Genesis 42 my main, the title of my message come out of verse 28. What is this that God hath done unto us? So Jake, uh, Joseph's brethren said, he's about halfway through dealing with them. And as we go on, I look forward to this. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, story. It's so full and, and, and where to pick up and where to leave off hard sometimes because there's, there's anger in this story of Joseph and his brethren and there's rejoicing. And, and there's sin and evil, and there's graciousness, and, and just so many ups and downs, and seems like every just couple verses. But Joseph, he was the firstborn of Jacob's legitimate wife, Rachel. Now, there were other boys born before Joseph was born, chronologically. But his daddy said, that's my firstborn. I have one son, Joseph. He was the preferred one. He was the firstborn. How could that be? How could he be the firstborn if you already got four or five other sons? You know, that, that same question the Lord presented. He went to those Pharisees that were gathered together, and he asked them, walked up to them, said, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, he's the son of David. Well, they knew everything, didn't they? He said unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? This goes against every cultural understanding we have. That's still in some cultures to this day. I saw a boy that was about four months older than another boy, and the younger one disrespected him from South Korea, and that man turned around and slapped him right in the mouth. He was about 16, 17 years old, and I said, uh, They're going to get in trouble. And I said, No, no, that's their culture. He just stuck his head down and said, I'm sorry. I had that coming. <laughs> That's still some, some eldership, respecting the elders is still prevalent in this world in some places. So how could this be that this is going to be David's great, 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 great grandson or whatever? How could he call him Lord? That's what, the, what our Lord's asking these Pharisees. And no man was able to answer him a word. These things don't matter. That's, they still thought this flesh mattered. That, that customs and courtesies and protocol mattered. They didn't see the eternal God. Neither does any man ask him from that day forth any more questions. This firstborn among many brethren, he has brothers, don't he? And just like Joseph's brethren, we're all born in sin. Every one of us, whether we came before him or after him. All of us came after him, chronologically, right? We're all born in sin. That's our nature. And in that, whether we was the best actor in playing church there ever was, or we were in a heroin house somewhere. It doesn't make a difference. Being born of Adam, 
We hated our elder brother. We rejected our elder brother. He come to us and said, I got something to tell you. I got some words. Like Joseph came to his brother and said, I'm going to tell you my dreams I had. And we would not hear his words. We would not have this man reign over us. They despised their brother. How much? They threw him in a pit and was going to kill him. And then Reuben talked him out of it. So they sold him into slavery and then they lied to their daddy. They don't know what happened to him. But Joseph didn't despise them. And they said, why don't y'all close your eyes and kneel down before me? And like, come on. And some executioner come in and chopped all their heads off. That's what they had coming to him. He despised not his brethren. Didn't he? Hebrew writer tells us for both he that sanctifieth and them who are sanctified are of one. What do you pray there in John? We looked at Wednesday night. I pray that all of them be one as we're one. One family, one body, isn't it? With one head. For the which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praises unto them. Unto thee. That we come in kicking and screaming and moaning and we would not have a span reign over us and we're going to have it my way. And he come to us and said, I'm going to sing your name, Father, to him. Joseph spoke harshly to him in the beginning, didn't he? He said, you're spies. What's that mean? What if we had spies from Russia? Over, that's the enemy, isn't it? Or from some other country we ain't friendly with this week. <laughs> that changes pretty quick, don't it? They're enemies. He said, you're enemies. And he threw them in prison for three days. And they said, we're true men. We're true men. And he threw them in prison for three days. How much could we, we dwell on that? Put them in prison for three days. But, but while they were there, the Spirit of God worked in them. Joseph had come to them. He, he spoke harshly to them. And this is in love. This is in wisdom. This needed to happen. And he put him in prison for three days. He said, you're going to bring me your brother and y'all can live. You got this younger brother you said ain't with you? You bring him to me and everybody, bring me your brother and you live. A lot there too, huh? I don't want you. I want your brother. <laughs> I want the preferred one. The Spirit of God worked in him. Look here in Genesis 42, verse 21. Genesis 42, 21. And they said one to another, we are verily... You remember what that word means? Truly. Truly. We are truly guilty. We're truly guilty. Well, we spies, worse than that. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. In that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. The reason all this judgment that we're in right now, we come down here just to buy some corn. And now all of a sudden we're with the prime minister. He's got us on the carpet, as we used to say. And now he just threw us in jail and he gave us some demands that I don't think it's going to go over real well. And one, we can't do it anyway. We're in prison. And guilt came on him because he spoke harsh to him and said, you're enemies. And guilt came on it concerning our brother. All this judgment is just because we didn't care about the anguish of his soul. That was 20-some years ago. Not that we should have went to another part of Egypt. Maybe they had a, they had storehouses around. Maybe we should have went to... You should have picked a different storehouse. We looked last hour blaming other people. 
or, or you should have talked to the customs officer differently when we got our passport stamp coming this off. It's, it's your fault, Judah. It's your fault, Reuben, or somebody, right? It wasn't those things. We wore the wrong clothes. We didn't come dressed up. We were to meet the prime minister, buddy. But put on your Sunday best and you come in here wearing it. What's wrong with you? That's your fault. That's your fault. You can't do this. They said, we're guilty concerning our brother. This concerns something that's guilt from a long ago, isn't it? And they're still guilty today. Isaiah wrote this. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And that's so. He bore our grief in his body on a tree, didn't he? And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. What's that mean? Well, I just looked the other way. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's what we did to our elder brother, wasn't it? We heard of who Christ is and what he accomplished, and we would not hear it. I know what's right. I have my systematic theology, and you ain't going to tell me something like that. Or I, I'm an atheist, and I don't believe there's a God, and this one I don't believe in, I'm awful mad at. <laughs> it's dumb, isn't it? Every one of us. Am I different? Somebody told me one time, so I grew up in a, in a gospel church where God, Christ was proclaimed from birth. And they said, well, you probably have less grave clothes. And I said, I got, <laughs> are you crazy? I have a grave tuxedo. <laughs> I'm born Adam like anybody else's. You think, That's proof to me. This is nature, buddy. This ain't a product of environment, product of conception. And I was right. And I picked right. And I knew. And I found the right place. And I did all these things. And I was an apologetic, apologizing to nobody. Because I was right. And then God broke me. And he showed me I wasn't so big-headed as I thought I was. And, and every day it seems like I just know less and less. And he's bigger and bigger. So we wouldn't hear it. We didn't believe him. The Holy Spirit came and convicted his people God's people, those given to Christ before time was, whether it already happened, is happening today, I pray so, or shall happen if there's a tomorrow, convicts us of sin. Why? Because we believe not on me, he said. Remember when you didn't believe God? Of righteousness. Not that oh, i got to clean up outside the cup, quit smoking and drinking, quit cussing and quit reading the wrong books, quit watching the wrong movies. That's not righteousness. Of righteousness because he goes to the Father. He ascended. That's holy. That's a perfect life. Of judgment, because the prince of this world's judged. I ain't got to fight Satan. I ain't got to fight nobody. I ain't got to do nothing. It's done. Judgment's been satisfied. What he said he was going to do, he did it. Now, thank you. They said, give us Barabbas. You mean different than that? We ain't. You might think you are, but you ain't. Give us Barabbas. And Pilate said, are you sure about that? Thank this one through, boys. Come on now. And all the people answered. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children also. Back in Genesis 37, they saw Joseph coming. Because remember, they went out to Shechem where their sister was defiled. And they come out of the world, but boy, it's sure tied to it awful hard, wasn't they? That's where we feed our sheep. And Jacob said, Joseph, go check on your brothers. Go look after them. 
And he went down there to benefit them for their good. And they saw him afar off. And even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And they said, We're going to kill him. We'll put him down in this pit. We'll see what kind of dreams he's got coming true then. It's sad, isn't it? Every child of God, everyone he purposed to save in Christ is brought to confess and to know for a truth verily that we're guilty concerning Christ and him crucified. I put him on that cross. It was me. That's why he's there. Joseph's hearing every word of this. They're talking about this. We're guilty because of what we did to our brother that we loved. 22, 23, 24, whatever it was, years ago, a couple decades ago. I was wrong and I've been wrong. A long time, I'm wrong right now. And he's listening. And he speaks Hebrew. They don't know this shit. Remember, he had to get a new name and he had to get a new town and to get new customs and new shoes and new wardrobe and a new language. And he didn't complain the whole time. He knew God was doing it. He just shut up and did it. was thankful. He's hearing them. He's hearing every repentant breath that come out of their mouth. And they don't know that yet. He hears them. Look at verse 23. Genesis 42, 23. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake to them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them, and he wept. He turned and he cried, didn't he? What a picture that is. We have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling. If we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. He knows our frame. You think Joseph knew his brothers? Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, ain't they? He had done nothing wrong. He didn't cut their heads off. He just waited. He knew what he's doing. He's wise. What a picture we have, isn't it? There in the garden, our Lord went to pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he was so amazed and very heavy. And he said, My soul's exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he's, I'm going to go pray to my father. And he went forward a little. And he fell on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, this hour might depart from him. He, he, wet and oh what heaviness I can't even imagine he prayed these things they come back and Simon was asleep wasn't he he found them sleeping he said to Peter he said Simon sleepest thou can't you watch for an hour watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation the spirit's truly ready but the flesh is weak I know in you I put that in you <laughs> I know what it's doing you want to stay up with me you want to pray with me but your flesh is so weak, you can't even stay awake for an hour. What time I'm praying to God and weeping. And he went away again, and he prayed the same words, and he come back and he fell him sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy. And they didn't know what to say to him. They wished not what to answer him. His eyes couldn't stay awake. And he said to him the third time, <clears throat> come at the third time, he said, sleep on now and take your rest. What tenderness, isn't it? It's enough the hour cometh, and behold, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hand of sinners. He didn't come harshly to him this time, did he? He didn't say like a proverb, said, how, not how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? He didn't say it to Peter. He said, you're wore out. I know you frame. He wept, didn't he? He says, rise up, let us go. He's that betrays us at hand. Those are tears of 
of grief because he knew what he had to bear. He knew he had to bear us. But Joseph, I thought, too, that's tears of joy. He hears his brethren weeping and, and mourning and repenting over what they did to their brother, to him, years ago. It's like David said there in the psalm, against thee and thee only have I sinned, done this evil, and I say. We've done it. We didn't, they didn't know it was Joseph <laughs> standing there and listening to them. They said, we've done this to our brother. We did it. Our Lord said, Luke 15, he said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. They'll be crying tears of joy. There in verse 23 it says, And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. He spoke that. He wasn't speaking Hebrew in front of them. He'd learned the language. He was speaking that Egyptian language. He had a different name. Back in Genesis 41, it says, Pharaoh called Joseph's name when he appointed him. He said, we need somebody discreet and wise. That's you. You're running the country. And he gave him a new name. Zephnath Penaniah. It's, it's the only time it's mentioned in the scripture. Big, long name. I'd say them, them 10 brothers probably couldn't even pronounce it. <laughs> we just know that's him when they say that. But he spoke to them through an interpreter. And verse 24 says, And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them. Communed with This time he's not speaking harshly, is he? He sits down and communes. That's what God does. When man communes, let us now have communion together. And fellowship. There's four times communed is mentioned in the New Testament. And you know all four of them is bad. That's what that's us doing it. It says in Luke 6, they're filled with madness and communed one with another that they might do to Jesus. How can we kill him? That's what Judas did. And he went his way and he communed with the chief priest and the captains that he, how he might betray him unto them. What a sad thing. What's the Lord do when he comes to us, when he has pity on us? He he's delights to show mercy, and he communes with the sinner. He comes to us, and he sits with them, and he eats with them. What's that look like? Isaiah 1.18, come now let us reason together. Sit down. Have a ham sandwich. I'm going to talk to you a minute. Though your sins be as scarlet, and they are, throughly, all the way through, right? They shall be white as the snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. And I'm going to do that. He sat down and communed with them. He turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them. And he does something different. And took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. That seems a little out of place, doesn't it? What did he commune with them? Probably ate with them and talked kindly through them through an interpreter. We'll get to that in a minute. That's precious to me. But through an interpreter, he spoke to him, And then he took Simeon, one of the brothers, and he bound him right in front of him. One has got to be bound so the others can go. You're going to go fetch your brother. This brother's going to get bound. You're going to bring what I demand. Somebody's got to be bound. And what, a, what a short picture of Christ we have here in Simeon. They came to him there in the garden. They said, <clears throat> He said, who do you seek? He said, Jesus, now it's just I am. And they fell back. That always gets me. Just carnally. Run for the hills. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you fighting this man? Our instinct, our nature, kill him. Put him in that pit. He said, I've told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. You can bind me. 
my brethren's going to go free. One had to be bound in it. I thought about those nine. They were about to leave Simeon bound and go fetch Benjamin and bring him back off of corn for life. What's he going to do to Benjamin? All this they were told through an interpreter. All the interpreter did was tell what Joseph had to say. That's what ambassadors do. They go on behalf of our leaders, our leader, king or president or whatever. They go to another country and they just say what that one says. I've been the representative of a powerful person before. And I had one star general come to me and said, where are we sitting? I said, you sit over there. Okay. I didn't lie to them. The boss had chopped my head off. I'd be in trouble. All the interpreter does, I just say what he says. I just say what he says. But I thought, you know, either they ask that interpreter's personal experience. They say, he can't understand what we're saying. I'll just talk to you. You're like me. You speak the tongue I speak. We're going to speak plainly to one another. Simple words. What's your fence, What's your uh, uh, your personal experience with this man? This Zaphonath Pia. This guy's telling us to do all these things, binding our brothers, putting us to do. What, what's your dealings with him? What do you think about the man? Or they didn't ask. And then this interpreter just boldly taught, told them because he saw it in their eyes. He looked at them. And he knew their need. And he may not know that as a brethren, but he's going to tell them. And he said, This is a good man. Whether ask or not ask. Apart from what was said, he goes, I can tell you my experience, he's faithful. Everything that he said he's going to do, he's done. He's wise. He's discreet. He's the doer of everything. If anything was done, Joseph was the doer there. (laughs) I might be talking to you, but he set me up. He he sent me some language coaches and taught me Hebrew. This is his doing. I might just be one talking to you, but he did everything. Just wait and see. He's generous and kind. You come here for a little bit of corn, but you want to gain some weight. (laughs) <laughs> just I trust me I know I know and whatever he says to do do that I understand that old brother Bill Clark said that years ago in England somebody just pestering to death and he's tired and he's been up all week sleep two hours a night or whatever and they said what's the, how's a believer supposed to live he said believe Christ do whatever you want and you understand I get that and you'll you'll do what the Lord says right how about believe Christ do what he says we ever considered that he says, do it, do it that way. Daddy said so. <laughs> it was children. We get that. He said, whatever he says, do it. He said, trust this man. And he said, he says, bring your brother Benjamin, your youngest one. Don't you come back without him. That's what he says. That's what needs to be done. Nothing else. Don't add nothing to it. Don't bring two or three brothers. Bring that one he talked about. Don't bring half of him. Don't bring his rings or his shoes. You bring him. Whatever he said, do it. Isn't that what? Our Lord's mother said that first miracle we performed at the wedding. Whatever he says, do. Verse 25, And Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. Well, didn't he command it? Didn't servants go and fill them sacks? Of course he did. Who was the doer thereof? Joseph was. He did it. He commanded their sacks to be filled with corn. He commanded all their money to be restored into their sacks. He commanded there be provision along the way. And they laded their asses with the corn and they departed thence. He said, give them all their money back. Load down them sacks. I mean, all the way up to the, the seams completely full. And give them provision for the way. 
They said get them some snacks. They might need some trail mix for that journey back to where they're going. Well, probably. <laughs> whatever's, need, whatever's needed. Provision. Provision. I thought of security. You think about being in some dystopian society like that, right? Then post-apocalyptic junk or whatever nowadays. Bandits are on the loose. There's a famine in land. Has been. Everybody's hungry. And you see these guys, it looks a little, little round in the cheeks. And they're coming down the road in a carriage. And they got sacks full of corn and money sticking out the top of it. What do you think happened? It's hard to think like a thief sometimes. They get robbed. <laughs> That's what happened. They get stabbed or something, kidnapped. That's included too. He said, you send my army out in front of them. They'll scout out the way. They'll recon. And then you send my army behind them too. They'll provide, protect their six. They'll, they'll cover the rear, rear security. Watch out for them. Get up in the hills on either side. You watch over them. All the provision. Is that what the Lord does for us? Guards going ahead and behind? Remember that? Old Brother Spurgeon said that was the Lord's watchdogs. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness to go ahead. Paving the way of providence. Mercy behind to cover all of our tracks. All of our sin. All of our impression in this world. Verse 27 says, and As one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender, in the end he espied his money. For behold, it was in his sack's mouth. He went, they, they was at a motel, and they stopped. This is all real important. Stay with me. I'm going to touch on it briefly, but just stick with me just for a second. They were at a, at a hotel. They was at an inn. They hired a room. And they said, you know what? That, that ass is probably hungry. And they went into the sack to give it some of the corn meant for humans. And Jacob and Benjamin, and they gave it to the ass and fed it. And while they was in there looking, they said, Behold, there's money in here. And this is real full. Were they staying in a tent? As in a hotel, wasn't they? In a time of famine, in a time of economic demise. They had plenty, didn't they? They had plenty. The Lord sent those out to preach, the 70. And he said, don't take a purse or a script or shoes. or You're going to live on the gospel or come home. I'll provide for you. And they came back and he said, I told you to go out with all these things. Have you lacked anything? You done without? You starved to death? Has your animals starved to death? They said, nothing, Lord. We've lacked nothing. They gave provisions to the ass. That old saying, if the Lord works in somebody, even their dog's going to be able to tell the difference. That dog we had ate better than 50% of this world does. High quality peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Or the crust thereof, right? All my steaks trimmings, and she could do nothing for me. And I was reminded of the compassion of the Lord to this dog. That'll make you compassionate on something else, won't it? You think there's any difference in somebody that's barely guilty? One of those brothers that threw their brother in a pit, and they deserve nothing, and they've been provided for in abundance. Just a donkey. <laughs> he fed me, I'll feed this one. That ain't nothing, is it? That's what that Canaanite woman come to our Lord. 
She said her daughter's vexed with the devil. She had a problem, didn't she? Have mercy on me, O Lord, because my daughter's vexed with the devil. I got problems. I need you to have mercy. That ain't the source of mercy, is it? Everybody's got problems. Things are tough all over. <laughs> well, that's what you're talking about, making excuses for children. They had a hard week, or they just started back to school. So what? <laughs> Everybody's got tough problems, don't they? He didn't even answer her. He didn't even speak. And they said, Lord, do something with her. She's crying after us. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came worshiping and said, Lord, help me. Help me. I need help. I, I've done an okay job, but I just need a little push to get on over the edge. Done everything, everything else has all got squared away. And he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. He ignored her. He come looked her dead in the eye and said, you're a dog. What did Joseph do to his brother? He said, you spies. You enemies. Well, that offends me. You ain't going to talk to me that way. Ain't no man going to talk to me that way. I'm going to take my toys. I'm going to go home. Go on. <laughs> you go to. Lord, to whom shall we go? She said, of a truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. And he says, old woman, great is thy faith. <laughs> Lord's never gave me crumbs. I never had just a, uh, just a taste, and then I, he's filled me every time. From his table, a crumb, I could eat on that for a year. Couldn't you? I thought of Elijah, that widow. He went to that brook. That's where the Lord would have him. And he sent ravens to feed him because that's where the Lord would have him. And then the ravens were still coming, but the Lord dried the brook up. There was a drought in the land. And so he went, he went somewhere else. That ain't brain science, and that ain't rocket surgery, is it? And he went to a widow woman, and he said, go to this widow woman. I've commanded her to sustain you, Elijah. And he went to Zarephtha, and he went there. To, she was gathering sticks, and he said, give me some something to drink. So she brought him something to drink, and he said, uh, how about you get me a morsel of bread? You make me something to eat. And she says, on the, on the Lord that liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel. I don't have a big sack. Full of corn. I got to reach all the way down in there, and all I got is one handful left. And it's just enough for me and my son, and I'm going to make it, and we're going to die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a cake first, and bring it unto me. And after that, make it for your son and you. And I thought, that widow probably said, didn't you hear a word I just said? <laughs> Don't you know how these things work? <laughs> and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. He told her, he said, the, the barrel's not going to run out and the cruise oil won't fail. And she went and did it. And her and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. He speaks to us. It's never run out. It may look like it's going to. But he says, ho. This ain't talking about physical provision. Lord dried up some brooks and moved some folks. He sent some famines and, and moved Naomi and Ruth and killed a bunch of folks. Did a whole lot of things, didn't he? This is talking about provision for our souls. He said, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye into the waters. He that hath no money, come ye and buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. It won't cost you a penny. You'll go look, and you got all your money in your pocket. 
Verse 28, And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored and lo, even in my sack. And their heart failed them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? What is he doing to us? The Lord's done this. We have a guilty conscience and a rejoicing heart over the same portion of providence many times. Did you know that? How could, how could this be meant? I looked up that word afraid, and that's not fearing the Lord and honoring and reverencing him. I was scared. Sometimes we're scared, and sometimes we honor, don't we? And it could be over the same thing. Typically, we're scared first, and we honor at the end. That's normally how that goes. But we know what the Lord has done. It's what they're saying, but we don't know what he's doing. I've thought that before. Maybe I've been fattened up for the slaughter. And another time, look at this miraculous provision. I mean, you at your wits end. And how, how are you going to make ends meet? And walk out to the mailbox and there you go. What provision? That happens <clears throat> over and over. And more as time goes on, we see that it's miraculous. And, but it's hard to be thankful. That's hard. We ought to be. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to trust the Lord. It shouldn't be. It's the most logical thing. We know him. <laughs> I'm his. It's fine. He's gave me provision, protection, and everything. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? Some are bound. Some brethren we have are bound like Simeon. They're bound in fear. They're bound in anxiety. They're bound in unbelief. Look here at old-aged Jacob. He's over 100 years old. They went to him, verse 29, and they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto him. They told him the whole story. Here's everything that happened. We showed up just as it happened. They told him that. And we got put in jail and they said this. We got to bring Benjamin. And they said, uh, he kept Simeon there with him. But we got we come back, we got to get Benjamin and we'll take Benjamin back and then he won't kill none of us and we'll have full provision if we bring our brother. Poor Jacob, verse 36. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. You've done this, you rotten boys. Je Joseph is not. Last time I saw him, he was with you, and he's dead. Now Simeon's not. He might be dead. He might be tied up. I don't know what's going on. I just know he left with you, and now he's not here. And you're going to take Benjamin away? Woe is me, poor Jacob. All these things are against me. You know what's going to happen? Jacob's going to be real happy. <laughs> Not one of these things are against us. It's for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's for our good. He won't let Benjamin go. Has, hasn't Jacob learned? He's over 100 years old. Well, over 100 years old. He ain't learned. He needs to learn, doesn't he? We do too. Us sons of Jacob have to be taught by God, don't we? He won't let Benjamin go, so everyone obeys, and they stay there with him, and they eat up all the corn. That's, that's pretty bold, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to give you enough corn to make it to go get your brother and come back. And they just sat on their hind parts and just ate the corn. They started running out, and they said, we got we to gotta get, get some more corn, Daddy. And we're going to have to take Benjamin who's going to kill us. There in Genesis 43, verse 3, And Judah spake unto him, saying, 
This man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face except your brother be with you. We have to take Benjamin. We're going to die. They're in the same pickle again, ain't they? They're going to starve to death. I thought the Lord saying to Moses, Thou canst see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Unless you bring your brother. <laughs> in Christ we see him, don't we? Well, that's what Judah said. Next week, Lord willing, we'll see Judah being the surety of Benjamin. He said, I'll take him. I'll be surety for him. What a picture that is, isn't it? All right, we'll be with you. Brother Trevor and uh, Cass, if y'all would, come hand out the elements.